Welcome back to episode 30 of the Tough Love Podcast. Today we have Sophie Showerman, who is an LCSW. She does private practice, she's a play therapist and a parent coach, and she specializes in the highly sensitive child. She's not an adoptee, but that's okay because she has wisdom that we haven't talked about yet on this show. And so Sophie, welcome. So happy to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's so amazing to get to connect in this way, knowing that we've, we first met when we were training to be certified synergetic play therapists, like right at the beginning of the journey of supporting families in this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it's been a long time now. Uh, I've been in private practice, I think for like over five years. How about you? I started about the same time in practice, but my first two years were, um, were in the agency world, working in schools and home-based care. I was doing pretty intensive therapy with kiddos that needed like three to five hours a week. And at that time, I actually had a number of adoptees I was working with. Um, but, but now I've really been honed on on the honed in on the highly sensitive child, um, which I'm excited to share more about which isn't, which doesn't discriminate between children that are adopted or not. Um, and yeah, I'm just excited to chat more about all the things with you. Yeah. So I don't really know about the traits of highly sensitive, the highly sensitive child. Um, I'm sure I've worked with them as you mentioned, they make up, I think 20% of the population. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to share. So, um, I guess I guess, it might be helpful if I tell the story about how I got here and Great. then I can, and then I can share about the traits. Um, mm-hmm. And before I forget, because I do want to loop back to this, um, as I was reflecting on this conversation today, I, I was considering that like, yes, I'm not an adoptee and I don't have adopted children, but I am in a blended family and I'm a stepmom to two children that I didn't make in my belly and or in my womb. And um, yeah, and just what, and I wonder too, if there's any parents in blended families here and the considerations of what that means to fully take on and choose children who, yeah, weren't yours from day one. Um, And so I just wanted to like plant a seed for that too in our conversation. Wonderful. That's a such a good point and so many good pieces to bring in. For sure, the blended family, for sure, being a stepmom and not, you know, being a parent of um, kiddos who, yeah, weren't in your belly. So, yeah, there's so many parallels, I think, that honestly, I forget about. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. Yeah, it just came to me when I was walking earlier. Um, but anyway, I... Um... I'm in private practice and I had been working in the community and I've spent many, many hours with children as a play therapist. So being their therapist, but play is the main tool of healing. Um, And I've always worked closely with parents. Like I really believe that play therapy provides a bridge between children and parents when there's a really good therapist that can support that bridge. So because play therapy is giving the therapist so much insight on what's happening within a child's inner world when those themes can be extracted and shared with parents that child gets to be more fully understood inside and outside of the playroom um, so i've always worked closely with parents and supported them 
in like understanding and integrating the bigger themes that their kiddos are processing um, in the therapy space. And I noticed over time that I was attracting a really similar type of child. And a lot of the same things were, the things that were working were working for a lot of the families that I was supporting. Um, so I started creating a parenting course with the tools that were working, you know, and we can talk about those. I know we teach some of the same tools to our parents. Like a lot of it does come from our foundations and synergetic play therapy, but also our own authenticity as people. Um, but as I was putting those, that toolbox together and also like the process that's needed to use those tools. So it's like, you can't, someone can't just can't hand you like a, what are those things? Like a power drill. If you've never used one, like you need to, you need to like know how to use it. And so it's like, you can't just tell a parent have a tuned one-on-one -on -one time with your child if they haven't connected with themselves and know how to offer that attunement. Um, so anyway, I was noticing that all of the tools that I was offering and that were working were really specific to the highly sensitive child, like to the very sensitive, empathetic, wise beyond their years, but then also sometimes very dysregulated kind of child that didn't respond to normal. And I put those in air quotes, like normal parenting tactics. So for example, the very sensitive child doesn't like really, really feels isolated and alone. And like, they're a bad person if there's any shaming in the parenting or what might feel like just a neutral boundary to the non-sensitive child feels like incredibly triggering to the sensitive child and creates more disconnection. Um, so then it's like, I have this parenting course that feels like it's for a specific type of child, not just for your average child. I'm working with all of these kids that are just extra, extra sensitive. Like they just feel everything. Like, what is this? Um, and I started to do more research and I found that there was an entire field of research on the highly sensitive child by Dr. Elaine Aaron. Um, she's been studying for decades, this personality trait. Um, and at first it was a different, um, she was kind of looking at the shy introverted child, but then she realized the same set of traits also match up to kind of more like me when I was a sensitive child slash am a sensitive <laughs> child. I like can be really outgoing and like almost like be too outside my body. And then at the end of the day, there's just like a lot of sensitivities happening in my system. Um, so I winded up here, but basically um, I started learning a ton about this and reading studies, for example, like this 15 to 20% of the population, when we take in emotional content, whether positive or negative. So the study is like looking at pictures of puppies and birthday cakes or car crashes and snakes, our brain lights up bigger and more intensely and stays lit up for longer. Oh, okay. um, and other things like um, the thalamus, which is the gatekeeper for information, actually taking in more content in any given moment. So someone else might be sitting in this conversation and just like, yeah, like, hi, Lauren, I see you here. Like, what's up? that's it. I'm focused on you. Whereas the highly sensitive child is also maybe experiencing what you're feeling in your heart, like really feeling the temperature, 
the data coming in from every direction is just a lot. Um, Uh and yeah, I could, as you can tell, I could talk all day about this. Um, I'll pause and yeah. Any questions or thoughts on it? Yeah, no, this is great. And I think it's really important that they have their own section. I think oftentimes we hear about, yeah, my kid's really sensitive or my kid's very empathetic or we hear it in that way, but hearing it that this is actually, there's traits and there's actually brain differences. I think that actually helps me to understand that there's more happening here. And to sort of, I wonder like, what are ways that you can really identify that versus just uh, someone who is empathetic and someone who is just understanding versus um, a kid or just a human in general who is this like in this category? Totally. And I was coming up against that question. So I actually ended up creating a quiz. Um, it's a, of course, I'll share the link. It's a 20 question quiz that is basically like true or false. And I'll just read a few to give you an example of what you might be looking for. So my child gets frustrated when they perceive things are not going according to the plan they had in their head. My child shows signs of perfectionism. My child seems to be intuitive and it often feels like they're reading my mind. My child can be really sensitive to pain in a way that feels more extreme than non-sensitive peers or siblings. There's 20 of these, but just a couple more like I can tell my child is perceiving a lot and picking up on a lot of stimuli in their environment. Um, sometimes my child feels in pain by scratchy clothing. So it's, it's, it's one or two of these things alone might be a separate thing like sensory processing disorder or some other type of um, disorder or like approach to understanding a child that these dysregulating symptoms might show up in but it's this cluster of symptoms like this. If all of, if you're seeing a lot of these together, you know, like more than half of them, then it's likely that your child had this, has this personality trait. And what I love about it is that it's a personality trait. It's not a disorder. There's nothing to fix or change. There's only um, patterns to support and help these kiddos feel like this sensitivity can actually be their superpower. Like, wow, you get a tingly feeling in your legs when someone says something that makes you feel excited and alive. Like what amazing information about what's true for you. Mm. Or you get a really strong reaction when you feel a boundary coming up. How can you learn to trust that and honor it, but you don't have to become aggressive to get that point across. It's when the, the those like symptoms or these patterns are coming up and they're just misunderstood and confusing for kids that I think they turn into symptoms that make parents and schools feel like it's a problem. Mm, Yeah, I love that you mentioned that, how it's like a trait and how it's not a disorder. Adoptees, we get diagnosed with many, many disorders, a lot like tons of depression, tons of anxiety, um, tons of RAD, reactive attachment disorder, ODD, um, oppositional defiance disorder, and as I hear you talking about these traits, I'm, I'm, or I'm noticing, wow, this sounds like a lot of the adoptees that I've either worked with or that are talked about in these pretty intense studies regarding adoption and attachment and basically what to do with adoptees because we, um, 
a lot of times we get put in this category that we're bad and we're misunderstood and we're, you know, I think it's four times more likely to commit suicide than our non-adopted counterparts. Mm -hmm. And that's a really scary number. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I think it's definitely learning how to understand this, specifically the highly sensitive child, but then also what's your advice for parents and like working with these kids when it has become school is now calling home or the parents are now concerned for their kiddo? I just think it's so important to ident not over identify, but identify who your child is and then learn about that, learn about those parts. So like so much yes to any parent of an adoptee that's here listening to this podcast. It's like, yes, to like exposing yourself to conversations around the topic and learning about it. And then once parents identify that their child is highly sensitive, I very much encourage them to keep learning about the sensitive child and what the sensitive child needs because they need a different kind of parenting. And kiddos who have been adopted, like they need a parent that understands attachment, like Mm -hmm. bottom line, because that, because they've had a journey with attachment. and so I think, and I think it's very likely you could, you know, let's say 15 to 20%. And even some of what I'm reading, because times are changing in so many ways and people change, populations of people are saying that number is probably even higher. So it's likely that at least 20% of adoptees are also highly sensitive. So it's really getting the right support to figure out, um, like, yeah, who your child is, what parts they have, and then what support do you need for them in that way. I always like to give the example, like, and I've worked with children with diabetes. Like if you, if your child has diabetes, you take them to the doctor that addresses diabetes and you get, you figure out what they need to get regulated and you read about it and you talk to other moms and dads and all kinds of parents who have a child with diabetes. And that's just what it is. And I think when it comes to any sort of attachment trauma or mental health thing, Sometimes we feel like we should just be fine and our kids should just be fine. And it's just not the case. We need the extra support. Mm, Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's part of the reason why I love Heritage Camps so much, Um, which is how Deontay and I met each other. And um, it's a really amazing place for parents who I think feel isolated, Mm -hmm. where they get to find community and support. And it's everything. Community is everything. I don't know if you know the study about Rat Park and addiction, but basically they found out that when it comes to specifically addiction in this one study, that isolated rats are more likely to continue addiction versus when they're in community and they have all the other things like um, things to play with and toys and these fun things that really help us. And so I think a lot of people feel isolated. And I still think there's a stigma where when you have diabetes, yeah, you go to this doctor and you do that. But then when it comes to mental health, it's like, maybe we, this is fine. Maybe we shouldn't tell anyone. Maybe like, what does it mean if my kid is X, Y, or Z? I think a lot of that still happens behind, behind the scenes a lot. Yeah, I think that feeling of connection is so crucial. Um, that feeling of finding like-minded people who are, don't have the answers, but are, but are sitting in the same questions. Um, and I had a mentor once who said, we think connection is an outside job, but it's actually an inside job. And so I also like to remind parents, like 
until you slow down and like really connect to your heart, including the painful parts, you and your like attachment wounds and your attachment triumphs and your like sensitivities and your lack of sensitivities until you truly connect with those you're not in a space to hold your child in their waves. And you're also not in a space to connect with others because you're showing up in a, we know this from synergetic play therapy. One of the tenants involves like a, one of the major threats to our nervous system being incongruency, like showing up in a way that's not fully true. If we're not in that space of like self-connection and like, oh, this is like me, this is what I care about. This is who I am then we don't get those other like really crucial needs met of connection with our kids and connection with community. Mm. Yeah, so true. And it can be so scary and so scary when your kid or teen is illuminating your own stuff and it's so easy to think, oh, that's on them. And if I can just get them help, then they find us, right? Play therapists. And we're like, no, this is a family thing. It's a family system. I think that's why parent coaching is so crucial just to help everyone to understand. Like, it's not just a one. Your family is made up of many nervous systems, not just one nervous system, even if one nervous system is in charge of the whole family. Totally. And that's a big part of the tuned in course is, well, there's lots, there's meditations and integrations to have you land in a space you can receive the material. But the second half really is just parents doing their own work, like parents self-healing and self-regulation, conscious co-parenting, being intentional about what you're weaving as a family. And I've actually, I didn't mention this to you when we were just chatting and catching up, but um, I've actually been requiring that any family that I work with now also take the parenting modules um, because I want that for their kids. It's like, if I'm, I'm choosing your child to be with in this and to sit with them in, in the pain and the shame, and they need their parent to do that more than anyone. Like if, if anything, I feel like I was reaching this point where I feel, I felt like the idea of therapy, like being like, here, you be the attachment figure and like do the stuff. And I'm still going to stay in my cloud. I was like, I, we're not doing this. At least like, you know, it's a kind of this new way it's been over the past six months. And it's been really amazing to see what happens when parents say, okay, I'm going to commit to this and I'm going to slow down and look at my own attachment wounds that I'm projecting on my child when they're either getting too close or pushing me away. Like I'm going to, yeah, parents clearing their own system so that they can let their child be in their process. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's one of the hardest things to learn as a human, but then also in our field, it's like slow down for ourselves, you know, as a therapist or just in our personal lives, I think both, right? Not getting caught up in it and then learning how to teach that to other humans. I love that you created this course and um, we'll have to send out your, we'll link your website or link. Yeah. yeah. So that people can find that for sure. If they're interested, um, I'm interested. That sounds incredible. And something else I've been really loving creating is I've committed to a whole bunch of free content. Like I've written probably 10 articles on the highly sensitive child um, that I would really, yeah. If you just go to the blog on my website, once it's shared, it's just something that, yeah, it really, it's my core wound, honestly. Like I was the highly sensitive child that was misunderstood and was in like a really heady, like my parents are amazing and they just followed what they, you know, like, 
I went to the really good school and the really good college. And there was a lot of space for doing really well intellectually. And there wasn't a ton of slowing down into the heart. And, and that, that made me feel like an outsider. And I talk a lot of, I have to be careful not to project my own wounds onto my work. You know, it's like that fine balance between it's like the sacred wound and your work. And then also not everyone I support is me. So it's informative, but it's not all of it. And um, something I've also really pulled out is how this pattern of how a lot of sensitive kids also have low self-esteem. Like, and when I was trying to understand it, what came out was it feels like their brains are operating in a way that's different than a lot of their peers, maybe 80% of their peers. And instead of recognizing, oh, like my brain's just really sensitive and different and I pick up on things, they just jump to I'm different and therefore I'm bad or wrong and not good enough. And they become the black sheep. Um, and so I've also been kind of, how do we empower these kids to honor and recognize their differences because they are different, know what to do with the energy in their body, and then and then ultimately feel a sense of belonging, whether that's within the, the whole group or in subgroups of like-minded kids, like other sensitive kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you're talking, I'm just thinking about how I always felt like a black sheep you know, especially being a transracial adoptee and being a different race than my family and peers. And I think a lot of adoptees struggle with that in many ways. I see like, just as you're talking about this, I'm like, oh, this has, I feel like so many parallels with adoption. And so, you know, I hope the listeners are hearing parts of themselves inside of this. And I want to take your quiz and I encourage others to take the quiz too, for sure, just to have more insights. And, um, before we begin to wrap up here, um, I wanted to check back in to see if like, well, two things. I want to know any um, advice or like one piece of wisdom you have that could be supportive to the highly sensitive people of the world. Um, and if there's anything else you wanted to mention about like the blended family piece and stepmom piece. Yeah, I'll go backwards um, because I have to think about my top one. It's hard to decide. Um, hmm, Yeah, it is. It's it's such a journey fully choosing children that you didn't um, create inside of you for nine months, especially as a woman. And it's been um, I know everyone has a different like set of values and beliefs that they lean on in order to like fully choose the decisions that they're making in their life. So like space for all of that. And for me, I like, it was really important to like feel the gravity of the soul commitment that I have between me and my stepchildren. Like I like, and to honor those agreements and to create those agreements. Like when I, when I married my husband, I shared vows with both him and my stepkids. And those vows included things, but not things like you're just going to be my daughter that does whatever I want. And, you know, to make me feel good, it was things like, I know you and I see you and I love you. And if like only kisses and hugs when you want them, especially for my stepdaughter, like with in her attachment patterns, she doesn't want me to kiss her, hug her a lot. Whereas the little ones like were good on that front. And it was like, I honor that. I honor our agreement. I'm a parent that's here for you. However, you want me to be and, and yeah. And just like really like taking the contemplative time to 
feel into what those agreements are and then honor the commitments. Um, it's been really supportive for me and I imagine and would be so curious to talk to more parents of adopted children, what their process was of like feeling that choice, like that, or like, and the, con and in some ways not a choice, like the, the contract between two souls. That's beautiful. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That could be a whole other topic. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, when it comes to supporting the highly sensitive child, I, I have a lot of tips. I do have a um, free like 25 minute lecture on the top five traits and how to support them. Like if you want just some more content on kind of like another podcast to listen to, it's a YouTube link you will, you'll find on my, through my website. Um, but, but on a deeper level, number one is that connection to self. Like, because more than anyone, sensitive kids need to know what it's like to be deeply connected to themselves and like find that little space inside where no matter what in a room of overstimulating things and people like they still have a place of safety inside themselves and the only way that they will learn that is through seeing it on you and the only way that you'll be able to get them there is through like building that muscle in yourself so and then of course it's like how do we get there and it's it's so different for everyone but like whether it's meditation whether it's consistent connection whether it's therapy whether it's walking in the woods it's like that that has to be a priority like drinking water mm -hmm. yeah thank you <clears throat> thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge this is something new to me and something I definitely <clears throat> need to be researching and knowing more about um, especially I hear a lot of myself inside of this and so I think it'll definitely resonate for our listeners or the parents and it's a hard journey coming home to ourselves. it's not easy and it's so worth it yeah and it's like a practice it's like oh I just left again and now I'm back <laughs> like oh there's the there I'm like not in my body and then it's like oh hello again and so I just think space space and graciousness and patience um, with that, it's so important, especially if you're a sensitive person yourself as a parent and you're, which can sometimes come with like being really hard on yourself. Um, it's like doing a good job. You're here listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Sophie. This was so fun. It means so much to me that, yeah, you invited me on and I love growing with you and supporting kiddos here in Colorado and hopefully parents further away too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you listeners. And, um, that's all for today.